Absolutely. Okay, so we've uh, stirred up a little bit of controversy with the uh, three-person IVF story. Mm-hmm. And so we've had some uh, people responding. So Philip called in and Philip wanted to say his, his view on it was that um, God created people to have two parents, not three. It was very simple, very, very straightforward and very challenging to try and argue against. Um, so that was uh, that's what Philip had to say. Then we've got uh, what's got Raphael got to say here. It's one of our regulars, um, which is fantastic. Uh, man has always this is a text message. One came through by text message. We're going to put Philip to air, but he had to um, he had to run. So um, if you've got some thoughts or ideas that you would like to discuss, love to hear from you guys. Mm. Text or call one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Uh, okay, man has always wanted to be God. Where will we draw the line? Knowing humanity, they will never draw the, the line in the name of doing good. Satan has always wanted to confuse humanity and he's definitely doing a great job. I am all for saving and improving life, but at what cost? The antediluvian world, that's uh, those who lived before the flood, was destroyed for amalgamation of uh, human and animals. Um, did that stop the scientists of then or today, may God give us wisdom. So some interesting thoughts coming through there. Mm. Yeah, you won't find that concept, that last concept in the Bible, but um, it's definitely a concept that I think there is some very strong evidence for. Then what else we got here? Um, I think we've all seen enough movies of science gone (laughs) mad. Isn't that a fact? (laughs) Uh, most of it based on truth for those who have researched history past and current. And, you know, there's this interesting saying that um, reality follows art and art follows reality. Mm. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people, there's also the saying that, you know, you don't need fiction when there is history. And so this is where a lot of, a, a lot of these stories are drawn from real events. And how many times have we messed things up in the past? Okay, so we did talk about, one of the things I did talk about in that um, three-person IVF story was that once you start it, you've opened the genie's box and you can never put the genie back in Mm -hmm. because that DNA is now part of the human race. Yeah. So if you're concerned about this, they already started in the UK in 2015. It's already part of the human race. The genie is already out of the box. What? It is already out of the box and it will affect... If time was to last, your children and your grandchildren. I feel like you need to tell us more about this. I feel like you can't just tell us that. The UK has been doing it since 2015. Three-person IVF. Oh, hey. Yep. Children with uh, three biological parents. Wow. So that's the world in which we live today. And that's, you know, it's kind of one of my things that I say so regularly here on Faith FM, the world in which we live today. And it's kind of like every day something comes up new that is, well, that's the world we live in, in which we live today. And you kind of feel like, you know, it would be nice to go for a week without having a new groundbreaking story that doesn't have that statement attached to it, but that just doesn't happen anymore. You look back through history and in the past you would have gone for hundreds of years without the world changing significantly in every day and now we can't get through a week. Yeah, yeah. Bible says when you see all of these things, lift up your heads because Jesus is coming soon. Absolutely. Lift up your heads and rejoice. Mm. Rejoice because Jesus is coming soon. All right, what else do we need to deal with? Is that it? 
I think so. Any announcements? No, not for me. I'll give you an announcement. Go on then. Get the app. Faith oh, yeah, FM Faith Australia FM. app. Have we talked? We haven't talked about that for a while. No, it's been a while. No, we need to remind you guys the best way to listen to Faith FM is via the app. And the reason the best way to listen to Faith FM is via the app is because you'll never have to worry about driving out of range of the transmitter. It's always frustrating when you're listening to the radio and suddenly it's... It's like, I really want to hear what he was going to say. <laughs> I, um, the solution is there. I get pretty impatient with that. I must be honest. If uh, if the radio goes out, I'm like, oh, I'm turning you off. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I've no patience. I'm like, you nah. don't have patience to, uh, you know, drive to the other side of the power lines or around the next corner, or over the next hill, so you can get service nah. again. Nah. No, nah. I might flick it back on, but this is the thing: we have the app. So that's right. You don't for need people to, who are ever. like me who need some character development. Probably, um, this is great for you. <laughs> <laughs> Put the app on, run it through your Bluetooth in your car or an aux cord, yep. and you are good to go. Listen to Faith FM go. all over the world. Don't miss out on anything. Huh? Okay, so get the app. All right, we'll talk about our Bible study. We were in Isaiah chapter 14, and uh, we got up to, we've been talking about the King of Babylon. And Isaiah chapter 14 is all about the king of Babylon. Isaiah chapter 13 is all about the nation of Babylon. This is God's judgments upon Babylon. Uh, We got up to verse 11. We finished reading verse 11. And now we're going to come to a small section in the middle of this prophecy that is kind of going to do your head in. Okay, so let's let's just summarize a little bit what we've talked about. God's judgments on Babylon. Mm. This is Isaiah. This is during the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire, one of the longest existing empires our world has ever seen. And so if you're living under the Assyrian Empire, you would assume this empire will last forever. Yes. Have you ever met an Assyrian person? Not that I know of. I have. Okay. But there's not many of them around. And you talk to a lot of people in Australia, they've never heard of or met an Assyrian person. Mm-hmm. And yet this was one of the greatest and longest empires that ever existed. It's a little bit like, you know, in a thousand years from now, somebody saying, have you ever heard, have you ever met an American? I'm like, what's an American? Mm. Or they might know about America from history, but they've never met one. You know, and I, I've met a few Assyrians and it's kind of cool. <laughs> you know, you sit down and talk about all kinds of fascinating stuff from, you know, Mosul and Nineveh and that kind of region where they come from. Mm. And great history, great culture, great hospitality, nicest people ever. But it's not the kind of thing that you bump into all the time. We hear about Assyrians from history, and yet they were one of the greatest empires the world has ever seen and lasted for hundreds and hundreds of years and they're at the height of their power and Isaiah is focusing his prophecy, well, let's forget about the Assyrians, let's talk about Babylon. Mm. So we've talked all about Babylon and then he talks about God's people going into captivity into Babylon and then he talks about God's people being rescued from Babylonian captivity and that would have been incredibly encouraging for God's people when they were reading that while they were in captivity. It kind of would would have been their Daniel 2. Yes. Because Daniel 2 for us is a prophecy written a long time ago that talks about things that are happening in our world right now and so it's super encouraging. You can read Daniel 2. It's like, yeah, I believe the Bible. Uh, then you've got 
but for them, they'd be reading like Isaiah chapter 14, first couple of verses, and like, wow, mm-hmm. God predicted this. God predicted Babylon would be the next superpower, and it happened. God predicted that the Jews would go into captivity, and we're in captivity. God predicted that we would get to go home to the promised land, and that's, and that's the next big event. Mm. For us, Daniel, too. God predicted that next big event is we get to go home. You know, after a whole series of events previous to that, if you've never studied Daniel 2, then, um, yeah, give us a call. We'll find a Bible study for it. We'll send you a Bible study for it uh, for free, and you can look at Daniel 2, one of the most fascinating prophecies of our time anywhere in the Bible. Okay, so that's where we're up to. And, of course, you've got these judgments coming on the king of Babylon. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah, so uh, the Looking Up program is, um, if you're interested in Daniel 2, they're, they're, they're studying you know, the, uh, the book of Daniel right now so uh, and Daniel chapter 2. So make sure you tune in to the Looking Up program. Okay, um, and if you missed any of it, you can catch it on the podcast by going to faithfm.com.au. So we've got all these prophecies. Then we've got these prophecies, you know, this is what's going to happen to Babylon. It's going to be destroyed. It's going to be wiped out. It's never going to exist again, which is a little bit like saying, you know, uh, New York City will be just a heap of rubble and uninhabited sometime in the future, which if history, is to continue, if history was to continue would be a reality, mm. pretty much. Maybe not. Some cities have survived from the ancient past, but not that many. Most of them are just piles of ruins these days. Um. And, but that's what the Bible says about Babylon. And go to Babylon today; it's a pile of ruins. It's an archaeological site. It's not a, it's not a city. So that's what God says about it. But then we come to these verses, and these verses they kind of jump out to you, and they're like, "What? Wait a minute! What's going on here? What is it that God is actually trying to communicate?" Mm. So. Let's read Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. Kate, have you got that one for us there, please? I do. How are you fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning? You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. All right. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? This is an interesting statement. Mm. Who are we talking about in this passage in context? We've been talking about Babylon. Yes. And now we have this passage about, well, Satan. Okay. And previous to this verse, we were talking about the king of Babylon. Yes. So in context, you would say this is a prophecy about the king of Babylon. Yeah. It's not like God has uh, said, let me change subjects for a moment. Mm. But he kind of has as well. How do we know that God has suddenly changed subjects mid-flow in his prophecy? I would just say because of the context of what the verse says. Yeah, which... Well, so okay, so you could be like, okay, you're fall from heaven. That's one thing. Which All I'm, right, we... so is the king of Babylon... Yeah. Any of the kings of Babylon ever been to heaven? No. No. All right, so immediately when we read that, we're like, wait a minute. The- so might be talking about someone else. That's right. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, and then the verse just kind of goes on, you know, you have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. You connect, you start connecting that to other passages in the Bible where it talks about Satan or, you know, go to Revelation, fall from heaven. 
it just kind of makes sense that this is the character we'd be talking about. Okay, so we haven't stopped, we haven't finished reading it. Let's uh, read a little bit more. Um, give us the next couple of verses there, please, uh, Minnie. Okay, so verse 13 says, For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest mountains and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Okay, so when you actually look at this particular passage here, the whole of this passage, you have got somebody who is who has been in heaven and who acknowledges God. Yeah. Uh, what was what was the king of Babylon's attitude towards the Jewish God? Well, he pretty much just went, "Oh, it's nothing." Yeah. It's just a nothing thing. I've I've got more power than that. Judea was a micronation. Mm. It was, really, you know, we've said that many times before. And so, why would you be worried about the god of a micronation when you are a world superpower? Mm. You know, your 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 god is clearly so much more powerful because you have conquered the world, and you have conquered this micronation of Judea. So, by default, you have also conquered Yahweh. So, why would you even think about Yahweh? Yeah. This is the kind of attitude that the kings of Babylon would have had towards Yahweh, and you can see it coming through in Nebuchadnezzar before his conversion. You can see it coming through in Belshazzar um, at the time of his death. They had you know, no interest in the God of Judah whatsoever at all. Um, Belshazzar, his only interest in Yahweh was to have an opportunity to spurn Yahweh mm. and to insult Yahweh. Um, and... So, you know, these guys, they weren't acknowledging Yahweh as the great creator God. It was just like a minor Jewish God. Mm. A little bit of a... Um, it was an interesting one because you couldn't take him captive. Um, and, and that's significant because under Belshazzar, his father Nabonidus had taken captive all of the gods of all of the nations that they ruled over and was holding them to ransom so that those nations would fight with him against the Persians because they didn't really like him because, you know, he was an Assyrian. Um, his son, of course, Belshazzar was Babylonian but um, from a Babylonian mother. But, yeah. He'd married into the family through a uh, political alliance, and so that was that was what was going on there. But how do you take Yahweh captive? I think you can't. Yeah, because there's there's no there's no image anywhere that you can sort of march off to uh, Judah and it's like ah here's Yahweh let's cut him off to uh, Babylon and lock him up. You can't. Okay, so we're talking about somebody else here, and as you mentioned earlier, this is Satan himself in the King James version that calls him Lucifer. Mm. A light bearer, which is actually a really nice name. Mm. And, you know, I've I've never met anyone named Lucifer, but there's I've met plenty of Lucians and Lucilles and Lucies, and they're all derivatives of that particular name. I think as human beings we like to change it a little bit because it's a nice name with a bad connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Okay, so let's let's read through here. What is it that, okay, so why is it that God, when he wants to give us a description of Satan, why does he place it in the middle of this prophecy about the king of Babylon? What's your thoughts there? I mean, I kind of just naturally start thinking about the fact that, you know, as you've spoken of, these, this 
is going to be a massive empire. And the kind of, I don't know what I was, like the mentality was a bit of, I am the king of all kings. Because that's right. you are at that point in history. They proclaim themselves king of kings. That's right. And, so, and lord of lords. That's right. And so if you have this kind of um, parallel with Satan being like, no, 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 I will be like like the most high, who actually the Bible says is the king of kings. To me, that's where the parallel comes in. It's interesting when you read the book of Daniel, because in the book of Daniel, which was written during the Babylonian Empire, mm. there is this repeated theme where God proclaims himself as king of kings and lord of lords. Yeah. And the reason that he's doing that, when you understand the history of the times, is because the king of Babylon was doing that. Yeah. And yeah. God's coming around saying, yeah, okay, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar, you might think that. But that's not actually but the actually, case. Yeah. And just in case you don't believe me, you can eat grass for seven years. Mm, mm. You know, it's like fine. I'll, I'll just just point out here: I'm King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and I love you, and you're an amazing person, and I want to spend eternity with you, and I'll do whatever I can to make that happen. But it's actually me, not you. Mm. All right, but let's think about Satan in heaven. When Satan sinned in heaven, what was Satan trying to do? Be like God. He was trying to do exactly the same thing as the king of Babylon. Yeah. And in, in, in what God is actually doing in this passage is um, because, you know, how often do we physically see Satan? Physically? Physically. Oh, I wouldn't say. It'd be, it'd be rare. Yeah. I, I can't <laughs> say that I've ever physically seen Satan. Praise God. May that always remain the case. Mm. There are probably some people, there are certainly lots of people who have seen demons and no doubt some of those demons have been Satan himself. I don't know. But it's not a common occurrence. The average person doesn't have that experience. And so God's like, okay, you want to understand what Satan is like? Let me find somebody to illustrate what Satan is like. Uh, oh, here's a guy, the king of Babylon. Mm. If you want to get an understanding of what Satan is like, here's a guy who serves Satan, who is fully dedicated to Satan, and because he is, he serves Satan, he's fully dedicated to Satan. Um, this will help you to understand just what Satan is like. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Which I think is actually really helpful as humans. We kind of need pictures we to do. understand concepts. Like we just do. Yeah. We're not great always at dealing with abstract. Picture speaks a thousand words. Mm. And that's what that's what God has given us in this little few verses right here in the middle of this prophecy. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Now, hey Kate, we were listening to one of your songs here a minute ago. Yes, yes. Um, and that one was uh, The Way He Loves Me. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that real quick. That's, that was that was a fantastic song. Oh, I wrote that about 13 years ago and I just was so um, aware of how much God loved me. Mm. Um, at that time I was just, you know, I'd go for walks and I'd just see a sunset or a sunrise and see the birds and see nature and just go, Wow. He didn't have to make everything so beautiful. Um, Nature is extravagant, isn't it? It is. The thing I love to say is God was just extravagant when he created nature. Yes. Yeah. And he didn't have to. No. He could have have made um, all the flowers out of uh, high-vis. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the bees would have been able to find them just fine. Which I would love. Hi- yes, you do. You're into high vis. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so you, sh- you should have been a tradie. I know. You get to wear, get to wear high vis all day long. Oh, I know. No, that was a beautiful song, though. So yeah. it was nice, yeah. yeah. Producer Shell didn't actually realise that Kate and Kate were the same person. <laughs> <laughs> there was that small clue there. What? Yep. The first name. Kate. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, it changed yeah, that's, that's right. Her last name has changed, and so that's why uh, since yes. the song was done. So, so it makes sense. Yep. It's all very logical. Yes. All right, um, Kate, you were sharing with us a moment ago about something that somebody pointed out to you once from these verses. Yes, yes. Um, Just that Satan tried to make himself higher and higher and higher, but instead he went lower and lower and lower. So if you listen to the words in chapter 13, it says, uh, For you said to yourself, I will ascend, so that's higher, to heavens, that's high, set my throne above God's stars, so above and God's stars, they're very high, I will preside in the mountain, that's pretty high, of the gods, high, (laughs) um, far away in the north, that's high again. I will climb to the highest heavens and I will be like the most high. But instead, what happened? (laughs) You'll be brought down to the place of the dead, that's as low as it can pretty much go, down to its lowest depths. Everyone will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth, Mm. etc.? There's an interesting lesson right there that that the more we try to climb high, Mm. the lower we actually take ourselves. Yes. But if we humble ourselves, then God will lift us up. Mm. So the way to actually climb high, the way to actually be in heaven, the way to actually be on the mountain of God, not on God's throne, obviously, but to be able to be on the mountain of God on Mount Zion is for us to humble ourselves. Yeah. That's actually, I just realized, you have an amazing contrast between Satan here and you know who we know Jesus to be. You have complete opposite, right? You do. The exact opposite. The exact opposite. Like you can't get... And this is why, sorry mm. if I'm butting no, in, this is why God has said, if you want to know what Satan's like mm. to the Jews at this mm. particular time, look at the king of Babylon. He's like that guy over mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And then let's compare... For instance, Jesus mm-hmm. and his character with Belshazzar mm. yep. or Nebuchadnezzar before his conversion. Yeah. You know, or any of the other Babylonian kings, yeah, Nabonidus, you know, Amal Marduk, um, Labashi Marduk, Nebuchadnezzar. All these people you've never heard of, but it is in history. Very interesting. But <laughs> Cool guys. Um, yeah. Mm. No, absolutely. Neroglyssa. I knew that I'd missed one out. Now we've got them all. <laughs> I'm showing Our historian Lyle here. <laughs> I love history. It's the best. Okay, so I think that was a really important point. We've got a bunch of verses here to uh, to look at. So let's um, see, if, see if we can get through as many of these as we can before the Bible study finishes. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. Revelation mm-hmm. 12, 7 to 9. Kate, you got that one there for us, please? I do indeed. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Mm. 
So here you've got Satan rebelling in heaven and trying to fight against God. So this was Satan's actual attempt to sit on the throne of God. Mm. This was a coup. Yeah. An attempted coup. An attempted military takeover of the government of God in heaven. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 28. Let's go over there very quickly. Ezekiel chapter 28. This is an interesting prophecy as well, very similar to the Isaiah prophecy, in that this is a prophecy about the king of Tyre. But let me just flick over here real quick. Um, Minnie, can you read for us verse 13, first line? Yeah, I sure can. Okay, so you were in Eden. Oh, stop there. Okay. King of Tyre ever gone to Eden? No. Did Eden exist when Tyre existed? No. No, never existed. So um, who are we talking about here? Again, someone else. Someone else. Even if you don't know who, we know Who it's has not. been in Eden. That's All right. right. Yeah. Keep reading. Okay, so you're in the Garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold, gold that were given to you on the day you were created. Keep going. Keep going? Okay. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. Okay, so here's the second clue. Yeah. This person was in Eden. Yeah. Number one. Number two, this person is an angel. Yeah. Yep. Keep going. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Oh, stop there. Mm. So here you have an angel that was in Eden mm. that became evil. Mm. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Satan, yeah. <laughs> Satan. Okay, finish off that little section there. Okay, so your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O Mount mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by the love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. Mm. Yeah, when you, uh, when, you, when you look at that right there, you've got exactly the same, a parallel of Revelation mm. and a parallel of Isaiah where Satan tries to go up, up, up. And the result is he goes down, down, down. The harder he tries to go up, the further he goes down. Mm. And it's the same with human beings. The harder we try to go up, the Fully. further we drag ourselves down every single time. And um, I just want to add in one little comment. Yep. I think it's interesting. So in Ezekiel, I think it's chapter 16, there's this parallel between the humans that God loves, right? And he's just like, I gave you all this splendor, uh, this beauty. And he's like, you know, I created you. You were beautiful. You were perfect. But then you sold yourself, like in uh, chapter 16, it says, you sold yourself and my garments and all of my things. And I'm like, you know what? I could read this story about the king of Babylon or whoever and be like, they were just a bit full of themselves, hey. But actually, I don't know how far away my heart is from being able to be that too, right? Because I can just the as potential, easily... The potential for that level of evil exists in every human yes. being's heart. Yes. It's there. The potential is there. It's just latent. And praise God that it's latent. And may the Holy Spirit keep it latent in all of us and keep it just gone. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It has come time for... Question of the Day. Okay, so in Revelation 14, we have the three angels' message. What we want to know, how do we share that message 
practically? Okay, so this is an interesting question because if you read Revelation chapter 14, the third angel's message, let me just read this for you and you will understand why this question has been asked when I read the passage. Mm-hmm. Because for the most part, it's like, well, how do you how do you share this part of the Bible? You just read this part of the Bible. This, that's easy. Uh, well, actually, Revelation 14, the Bible says in verse 9, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Mm. So that escalated quickly. Yeah. This is one of the heaviest verses in the whole Bible. And we find ourselves living in a generation where this is um, suddenly a very valid question. How do you share that? You know, we have the cancelled generation. We have the, uh, we have the offended generation. We have the, um, the snowflake generation. We have, you know, the generation that wants to create limit, limits on freedom of speech. We have the anti-vilification uh, laws that are around. And so within that kind of a culture where our culture today demands that we never offend anybody or we never say anything offensive whatsoever at all, culture that didn't exist 30 years ago, mm. how do you share this in a practical way? And suddenly it becomes like, well, you know, this is the strongest language that you find anywhere in the Bible. You know, sometimes I have people come to me like, oh, you know, I like the God of the Old of the New Testament, not the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament is always angry and full of wrath. And the God of the New Testament is just he's just full of love. And I'm like, well, you know, you can't get much further into the New Testament than the book of Revelation. Mm. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? Have you ever read Revelation chapter 14? Because this is the only place in the Bible. And the Bible is a decent sized book. This is the only place where wrath is poured out mm. on human beings. So you can imagine, you know, anger, a cup full of anger just being, you know, poured out. It's like a cup full of acid or something or other, you know, just being poured out on the earth, uh, undiluted. What? How, how do you how do you share a message like that? Okay, so I don't have all of the answers for this. I'm just going to share a couple of thoughts. And the first thought is this. This is the wrath of God against the wicked, the sinners. What was it that Jesus experienced on the cross? The punishment that sinners deserve. Isn't that so? Mm. So what is it that Jesus is actually saying in this passage right here? In many respects, Jesus is coming to human beings and saying, I've been there. I've done that, I've experienced that because he's the only human being who has experienced the undiluted mm. wrath of God because he paid the, he died the second death. He paid the, the, the penalty for sin. He is the only one who has ever experienced that. And he says, look, I've experienced it so that you don't need to. Mm. And so he gives this description here, he gives it very graphic language, and in essence what he's saying is, look, I know what it's like. I don't want you ever, there's no need for any human being to ever experience this. I have, and so so that you don't need to. So choose me 
rather than choosing this. It's a very simple equation when you stop and think about it right there. This is God's message of love to us, and we need to be able to present it as God's message of love, a message from Jesus, and we need to remind people that Jesus has been there and that Jesus has done that so that we don't need to. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.